Listener supported. WNYC Studios. You're listening to WNYC's podcast, featuring the best 2018 midterms coverage from our talk shows and our award-winning local newsroom. Keep in mind, some segments may be edited for length. You can find the full shows on your favorite podcast app. This is The Takeaway. I'm Cindy Rodriguez, filling in for Tanzina Vega. We're going to start today in the world of President Donald Trump. Last Tuesday was, let's just say, an eventful day for the Trump administration. Paul Manafort convicted on eight counts and a guilty plea from Michael Cohen. The White House is reeling in the wake of what may have been the worst day of the Trump presidency so far. Is impeachment the only option? The president has said, we've stated many times, he did nothing wrong. There are no charges against him. Can criminal charges be brought against the president while he's a sitting president? It is significant that Cohen implicated Trump. That is a big deal. It seems a lot of our Congress are shying away from impeachment. But I want to know, is there another path? Trump is on a path to being in a class of his own, potentially rivaling Richard Nixon. Let me explain. Understandably, there are questions, lots of questions, about what this means for the president and for the future of special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation. So before the news cycle moves on, we wanted to make sure you understand exactly where things stand for the president and his associates. Here to answer your questions and discuss what to watch for in the coming weeks are Rebecca Ballhouse, a reporter for The Wall Street Journal, and Ken White, a former federal prosecutor and now a criminal defense attorney. Ken also co-hosts All the President's Lawyers on KCRW. Rebecca, Ken, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. All right. So we got a ton of questions about why the president has not yet been indicted. Last week, his former attorney, Michael Cohen, said in court that during his presidential campaign, Donald Trump instructed him to pay hush money to women with whom he allegedly had affairs. That payment was a violation of campaign finance law. So let's go through some of what listeners want to know. For instance, from Seattle, Washington, we got this question. Tell me more about the Justice Department deciding that a sitting president cannot be indicted for a crime. Does it just mean that the Justice Department wouldn't arrest a president? Can there be a civil suit or class action against a sitting president? How does that all work? So the Justice Department did uh, come up with a policy in the 1970s asserting that a sitting president can't be indicted. And legally, that's not an issue that is completely beyond dispute. Some people argue that that's not constitutionally correct, that the president isn't above the criminal law and can be indicted even while sitting. But for our purposes now in 2018, that's been the Justice Department position for decades. And Robert Mueller, the special prosecutor, is fairly traditional and rule-bound. And I think it's extremely likely that he'll follow that policy for his own purposes. In terms of civil cases, most of the precedent suggests that uh, the president of the United States can be subject to civil process. We saw that in cases involving both President Clinton and President Nixon. There's still some gray area in terms of whether or not you can compel a sitting president to appear for a deposition or a hearing at a particular time. And there may be some accommodations that are made for a sitting president more than a typical litigant. But it seems pretty clear now under the law that the president isn't above the law, at least with respect to civil cases. Okay, so let's go to a text from Brentwood, New York. 
This person says, if Trump can't be charged for anything as a sitting president, can he be charged once out of office? I think the answer to that is yes, that certainly a president who is out of office is no longer, even under the most generous theories, protected uh, as president. Now, the last time we had this issue come up, President Gerald Ford pardoned uh, former President Nixon rather than subject the country to the spectacle of a former president being charged with a crime. And who knows whether that would happen again. But I don't think anyone argues that a president is permanently immune, even out of office, from criminal charges. Although some things that a president does might not be subject to the criminal law, might be within the president's uh, particular power. So, Rebecca, I want you to listen to this call from Bonnie on immunity. This is Bonnie. I'm calling from Orlando, Florida. And my question is, what should we infer from the many grants of immunity to various people? Should we expect some more indictments? So that's a question that we've been working on finding the answer to since we reported last week that David Pecker and Alan Weisselberg, two longtime allies of Trump, had been granted immunity by federal prosecutors in New York. From our understanding, those two were both granted immunity several weeks ago, and it's not clear yet whether they were granted immunity because prosecutors wanted to make sure they had a strong case against Michael Cohen if that ended up going to trial or if they're building a bigger case that might possibly include more targets. We have reported that the investigation is ongoing. So it may be that some of the information that prosecutors have uncovered while looking into Michael Cohen's business dealings have led them to look elsewhere. We also noted that in the charging documents filed last week, there are several other people named, and it's not quite clear yet who they are. There's uh, two executives at the Trump Organization who are named, one of whom was Alan Weisselberg, who was granted immunity. Uh, There's also, there appear to be some members of the Trump campaign who are not named, but who appear to have had some role in the payments as well. And just to be clear, Alan Weisselberg is the chief financial officer for the Trump Organization. We believe he still is. So we on Friday, so we reported Friday morning that he had been granted immunity. And a big question was, does this mean he may be flipping on the company? And is he going to be ousted? And what we've heard from our sources is that he still has his role, that the immunity had been granted some weeks ago, and that as far as people close to the company have been told, he's not providing information about the company more broadly. Okay, so let's move on to impeachment. We also got lots of questions about this and how it works. It's important to say that impeachment is a political process, and that always complicates things. So first, let's go through the basics. We got this from San Diego, California. What's the process of impeachment, and what exactly does impeachment mean? So uh, with respect to a president or other federal official, impeachment starts in the House of Representatives with what amounts to a vote on whether to make an accusation. And uh, that is a political process. We saw that political process play out with uh, President Clinton in living memory. And if the House of Representatives votes to impeach, then the next step is a trial in the United States Senate at which the Senate decides whether or not the charges are true. And I think it's very important to keep coming back to what you pointed out, that this is a political process. So even though there are rules and procedures and even though there's history of this, ultimately the decisions about 
what is or isn't a high crime or misdemeanor as the Constitution describes is a political question that the different parts of Congress are going to be deciding. Okay, so Congress has no constitutional responsibility to impeach someone even if there is overwhelming evidence. Well, I suppose you could say they have a moral responsibility and that the Constitution gives them the responsibility, but I don't think it's one that can be enforced in a court. There's a wide variety of things that are referred to as political questions in the law that they're determined to be so inherent in the power of a different branch of the government that the courts cannot adjudicate them. And this type of thing is likely to be one of them. Uh, what exactly is a high crime or misdemeanor or when Congress is mandated to act on it? Rebecca, how do you see impeachment playing out as an issue as it relates to the midterms and which party takes control of Congress after November? I think that's been a really interesting dynamic to watch over the last week in particular. What we've seen is that Republicans uh, actually seem to be pushing the impeachment more than Democrats. And the feeling among Republicans is that if we can turn the November elections into, if you don't vote for Republicans, you're going to lose this president who's pretty popular with your party, that it might rally Republican voters to actually head to the polls. On the Democratic side, I think there's still a lot of caution about wanting to use the I word. And for the very reason that Republicans are eager to use it, there's a concern that if this election becomes very clearly a referendum on impeachment, that it will drive energy on the Republican side more than you might otherwise have. So I think it's fair to say that if Democrats take back one or more houses this fall, that the odds of impeachment proceedings at least beginning become a lot more likely. So I think the question is whether Democrats or Republicans will be more successful in determining the messaging and how prominently impeachment becomes an issue ahead of the fall elections. Okay, so there's impeachment, and then there's also the question of pardons. Donald Trump's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was convicted last week on eight counts, including tax fraud and bank fraud. He has another trial coming up in Washington, D.C. next month. And one of our listeners is curious what would happen in the aftermath of Manafort's trial. I am calling from Newfane, Vermont. Can Trump really just pardon these guys? On the pardoning front, I think pardons are an area that Trump has certainly asked his advisors about. On the federal level, there seems to be nothing that would stop him from being able to pardon his associates, including both Cohen and Manafort. I think on the Cohen side, a pardon looks a lot less likely after Michael Cohen said what he did last week before a federal judge and implicated the president in a crime. I think just based on his Twitter account alone, he's clearly pretty frustrated by that. Uh, but he has expressed a lot of sympathy for Manafort and has said he's very sorry that he was found guilty on these charges. And uh, we know that he has asked his advisors some weeks ago about whether he has that ability to pardon his associates. And they, including Rudy Giuliani, advised him to wait until the special counsel's investigation has concluded. But that in and of itself, especially with Rudy Giuliani giving interviews on the subject, could be considered to be sending a signal to Manafort that he shouldn't now decide to cooperate in any other investigations. So that's a sort of interesting dynamic to watch. On the Michael Cohen front, I think the big question, as I was saying earlier, is where this investigation goes from here. Do prosecutors 
now that they have their guilty plea from Michael Cohen sort of wrap things up? Or have they possibly found other information that they're going to want to continue to pursue? Are they going to bring anyone else in to speak with investigators? Uh, I think that's going to be a really interesting question to watch. So, Ken, how do you see this playing out in the next few weeks and months? Well, you can never be certain with a federal criminal investigation, and sometimes you cooperate people and it doesn't lead anywhere. But I will say that the people who have been given immunity are pretty high level, and prosecutors tend to like to cooperate people up to use their testimony against higher up people, not lower down people. Cohen strikes me as a notch below the people who are currently cooperating, and that leads me to think it's entirely possible that the special prosecutor is looking to use those people to cooperate and uh, prosecute even more important people in the future. All right, Rebecca and Ken, thanks so much for answering our listener questions. Thank Thank you. you. Rebecca Ballhouse is a reporter for The Wall Street Journal, and Ken White is a criminal defense attorney at Brown, White & Osborne, LLP, and a former federal prosecutor. Thanks for listening. If you want more, visit wnyc.org slash midterms.